Hello everyone and welcome to another Football Annual Podcast. This time it's only me and James. We'll be talking about Feyenoord as of the title. We'll be looking at the European playoffs, the relegation playoffs in the Eredivisie, as well as a look ahead to Ajax against Manchester United and Kasper Dolberg's future. We are on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes as usual, so you can listen to us on there and download us there. Let us know what you think about this week's pod. Uh, Don't forget to ask your questions ahead of next week and hope you enjoy. James, let's look at finals. They won the league on Sunday. They beat Heracles 3-1. What did you make of the game? Uh, Did you watch it? Um, I saw the highlights. I didn't watch the game live. um, But the, the, um, the scenes after the game and the pure relief because even when you uh, switched on the TV after the game, it was uh, even the main news sender went to live live uh, live images from um, from the Galp in uh, Rotterdam. Um, Van Bronckhorst was in tears giving his interview uh, with the relief of Feyenoord winning winning the league for the first time in 18 years. For City, uh, the city obviously felt a huge uh, huge relief. It is fully deserved and. Um, I was surprised at how quickly they came out of the blocks to score twice in quick succession and really, really want to bring that title home. It was very impressive. And um, I think uh, think they've done ever so well. And it was a long time coming for Feyenoord. um, But I must say, it's it's extremely well deserved. And um, they'll now now look forward to uh, Champions League football. Um, I certainly don't... I can't see them sell, I can't see them disgracing themselves in the Champions League. Uh, it's too premature at the moment to make any predictions and speculation about that. But um, it will be a tough away day for many European teams to go to the Cup in uh, Rotterdam, and uh, they mustn't underestimate final, especially when they're playing at home in the Netherlands. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think you saw on on Sunday that the mental strength they've shown throughout the season. Which was a little shaky at times when they had the likes of Pep Wallace away and they went they went down. But they did come back and they fought hard and they showed that fight again. They came back from the Excelsior game. They they faced that they had defeat, but they came back in that last match, didn't they? And they really showed some character to pull out that result. And it was a mistake, wasn't it, for the first goal in the first minute, but they'll take it and that early goal set, settled a lot of nerves, didn't it? Um, back to, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that in the Champions League, as you said, they'll be pretty good. You saw their performance against Manchester United in the Europa League, beat them at home 1-0. Um, I think their home form will be crucial, won't it, for all their Champions League games. I think the one thing, that we, the one thing that we're slightly disappointed about would be the fact that they'll have to share that money with Ajax should they win the Europa League. Possibly, but... Um... I think they'll just look forward to um, to playing in the Europa Europa Cup again. You got you got to remember that um, Feyenoord were the first Dutch team to win the Euro- uh, European Cup slash Champions League in this day and age, as what it's called. Um, so they have a special uh, a special pedigree in it here. They'll uh, they'll enjoy being back. And um, I think with them being in a tough Europa League group this year with Manchester United, with Sokoluhanks uh, and. Um, and Ukraine and um, and Fenerbahce will hold them in good stead. Yeah, the teams have probably faced their Champions League. Um, do, do you see most of this squad staying together? 
the after this season. You've got the likes of Dirk Hout, who will probably retire. But do, do you think he will? Do you not think he'll be tempted by Champions League football? What about the rest of the squad? Are they not tempted to stay for the European matches? I can I can see Dirk Hout being extremely tempted to stay purely for the fact that they're playing in the Champions League. I mean, he scored in a final for Liverpool against the AC Milan in 2007. So he's going to have one, one going, to have, going to want to have one last go in uh, to make an impression in, in the Champions League, and uh, I think with the um, I think the majority of the squad will stay together. I can't necessarily see uh, many people leaving because they're going to want to play Champions League football. And um, considering who um, final the rumor to buy with Ayub Utrecht, uh, with that rumor gaining momentum over time with uh, online forums and, uh, and um, online um, football articles regarding that transfer being a question of not if but when already and the transfer market is, uh, hasn't even opened yet it's um, it's quite um, it's quite impressive I think they'll um, I think they'll add well and I, I think they'll look to consolidate next season they're going to have to deal with uh, a strong PSV next season they're going to have to deal with a um, with a uh, an Ajax team that will want to win their title, uh, win the title back after what would have been two years, mm. and also a Vitesse team gaining momentum. Who I think I know we're still speculation with the summer transfer market ahead, but uh, I think those four teams in particular will uh, will all gain strength and depth over the summer, and uh, be interesting to see what happens. Which of the final players do you think though would be likely to leave if there were any? Because They've shown this season that there are some talents there. Like, for example, I think Terence Conkolo will be tempted to leave because he's had a long time, hasn't he, with finals. Uh, but you've also got the likes of Vilhena as well, who will sign contracts. They've both signed contracts for the next season and so on. But the, what, what does that mean nowadays in football, especially in Dutch football, where they seem to just sign contracts to show loads to the club and the club can then get money from transfers because they have a long contract? Well, um, I completely agree on Phil uh, Tony Fulhena. I was going to mention that just before you did. He was linked to Sampdoria in the past, and for personal reasons, that um, that transfer didn't occur. Uh, and he was also linked to Leicester when they uh, when they won the league last year, and they were looking for summer for summer recruitments. I can see uh, um, Tony Fulhena uh, leaving should the right offer come in. I also think when the future of um, Stephen Bellis' house becomes, uh, becomes more clear, um, I think he may leave. I think if, if Watford was to show, um, was to sit and take notice of what he's done this season in the Netherlands and give him an opportunity back in the Premier League next season, I think, uh, I think he might be tempted by that also. And you've got Unicai Jorgensen as well, who's the top goal scorer and best assister in the whole league. So he's probably going to attract some interest. But um, I, 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 I was looking at the voting for Football Annual Twitter for the team of the season. Um, and I think we'll be talking about team of the season potentially next week uh, in the podcast. But the vote was very close between Nikolai Jorgensen and Kasper Dolberg for the, two, the striker role. Um, do you think there's like a bit of... Do you not think it's a bit more clear that Jorgensen should be striker of the season? Because in, in my opinion, he's been the standout striker in the whole league. So why do you think the votes are close? 
Um, I think due to Dolbellif's age and what he's done for, for a boy of his age, it's been equally impressive. And not just in the um, not just in Eredivisie, but also in um, in the Europa League. I think with the different tastes of, uh, of football followers and what exactly they're looking for and what exactly they're, um, they view to be uh, high quality, I think that's why it's split. Because Dolberg, I mean, even watching him live on many occasions when I've been to Ajax this season, his movement off the ball for one so young is extremely impressive. So I think that's the reason why that, um, the voting's gone quite close. Yeah, fair point. I do like Dolberg, though. I think he's got a fantastic future. I think we're talking about him a bit Thanks. later on as well. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I completely agree. Uh, but there's not the only story to happen on Sunday. Uh, was finals tied to win. Heracles lost and it meant they missed out on the European playoffs. So it means we have ties between, correct me if I'm wrong, James, but it's going to be Utrecht against, uh, no, Utrecht against Head and Veen and RZ against Cloningen with both Cloningen and Head and Veen being the home ties first. And that'll be Wednesday, I believe. Uh, no, no, uh, yeah, it, it, you're absolutely correct. Tomorrow at uh, 6.30 local time is the first leg between Head uh, and Veen and Utrecht. And as far as I'm aware, the uh, Groningen um, RZ tie will be uh, simultaneous. But also with those um, with those ties, you, you would look and say, oh, um, maybe uh, Utrecht Groningen or Utrecht um, uh, RZ not maybe even thinking of here and Bain. But the season is finished now, and uh, this is a chance for here and Bain to start uh, to start again. And I was at the game where they lost five one against Ajax in Amsterdam. But the first 10 minutes, they were fantastic. And uh, they could have scored again to have gone 2-0 up. But um, I think there'll be many surprises. I think there'll be as many surprises in the relegation playoff than what there will be in the um, in the European places playoff. Well, I'm in disagreement there, James. I think you've just proven exactly why as well. Because when Ajax played Hennepin, for example, yeah, they were great for the first 10 minutes. Just like when Hennepin played Feyenoord as well. it was They were great for like the first 20, 30 minutes of the match. But... They ran out of steam and there's a lot of confidence issues there and I really have a bit... Uh, I, I keep speaking against Jürgen Sweppel in the podcast and in my predictions of the week, but because I don't think he's got the capability to manage a team in the top half of the Eredivisie, I don't think he's a winning type of manager. They had some good form at the start of the season, but that was because players were on form. He could rely on the likes of Sam Larson, Arbus Nelly and Rezi Gajanajad to get some goals, but... Stanley Stars was in midfield and he was a massive leader to the team. And, you know, he gauged a lot of the team's tactics as well on the pitch. When he was injured, that leadership was gone. And I, I just don't think Steffel had that capability to turn it around or try something different when it was going wrong. And you've seen defeat after defeat. I believe they lost all of their away games since Christmas. That's not good enough form to win the playoffs, in my opinion. But you are right, it will be unpredictable. And I think we see a lot of goals in the playoffs. So if you you know if you're looking at placing a bet, perhaps some over two point five goals matches will be there for you. The goal dust. Maybe, but I just meant in the in the in the case of Hugh and Bain being able to regroup. I think that that was my main point. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I know they've been extremely poor, but the main the main point with um with the unpredictability and the possibility of all but one of uh, one of four could any one of the four could play European football. Purely on the basis of Hilo Vane, with the fact that they will be able to regroup, 
Um, to go back onto your question of Jürgen Streppel, this is a man who left Willem Trey last summer to manage here in Vain. Even a step up between Willem to, from Willem Trey to here in Vain is quite big, and it takes a little bit of getting used to. And um, I think we'll be able to say more about Jürgen Streppel next season, because it wasn't so long ago when um, uh, a stranger is this is going to seem what I'm about to say, but it's absolutely true. When Van Bronckhorst lost seven games in a row with Feyenoord last season and, and they appeared to hit the wall, there was a, um, a, fa- um, a famous Dutch uh, football TV show called Football Insights where they had a poll where they asked people um, who could be the next Feyenoord manager and Jürgen Stelepel um, gained quite a lot of votes. So um, mm. I think we'll see more of him. Um, we'll be able to make more of a an evaluation about what he's got to offer as a manager next season. To go back onto your playoffs point about um, about the form of sides and um, and how um, how decisive that can be, you also mustn't forget that Hildeklaas Almelo won the uh, European playoffs last season. So that's how unpredictable it is. Yeah. Because because naturally last season everybody thought oh Utrecht uh, they'll be playing uh, in European football and they. Uh, they lost to uh, Hedeklaas and, uh, and they didn't make it. And then the sad thing was for me was when Hedeklaas played Aruka from Portugal, um, they just didn't feel that they belonged at that level, didn't really have the confidence to spread uh, even two passes together in, a, in an important European game. So I hope that whichever of the four teams win through, take the qualifying game, extremely seriously because as we've mentioned in a previous pod before when Shaka mentioned about the coefficient um, I gave examples of when Swallow got beat by Sparta Brach, when Heracles got beaten by Aruka when uh, go-ahead Eagles were beaten by Hungarian side Ferenc Varos these types of games they all count towards a current situation regarding the coefficient so I hope whichever one of the four manages to win through to the qualifying round of the Europa League that they take the match seriously and they show enough confidence to be able to get into the group phase. No you're right when teams are qualifying through the playoff route you know we speak about how important this is for the final European ticket but then how serious should this conversation be when most of the teams never seem to get to the group stage in the first place um, and you saw uh, a few years ago at Twente, they lost to a team from Azerbaijan and Utrecht lost to a team from Liechtenstein, if I remember correctly. And it's it's appalling. Some of these, I mean, it might not be so bad now. And Heracles, I actually count as a little unlucky not to get past Aruka because in the home match, I believe that they had umpteen chances, couldn't take them. But in the away match, yeah, they were pretty lacklustre. But yeah, I, I think hopefully we'll start to see a change in motivation towards this kind of matches, mostly because of Ajax and PSV the season before. Um, the way they've performed in Europe gives a lot of inspiration to the teams in, in the country. Well, also as well, if you look back into recent history, I remember being in, uh, uh, almost an ever-present for the um, 2009 campaign where Ajax reached the last 16 of the uh, what was then the UEFA Cup and they were beaten by Olympic Marseille. And um, you also had Twente who were eliminated in the last 16, no, last 32, I believe, by Olympic Marseille. Um, so you had a um, you had a season then when um, when the, the more regular 
uh, Dutch teams were taking it seriously and um, I'm going on to play uh, important games. I mean, that Ajax team beat Fiorentina 1-0 and that was uh, Brandelli's uh, Fiorentina where they uh, they won in the uh, in the home leg and that got them through to the last 16. So I think it's... Um, I think it's also different uh, different seasons and different approach different approaches. I mean, you you could also say the same about the Premier League in terms of the approach of European uh, the approach to European football. I mean, my um, my example to that is the group that um, Tottenham Hotspur found themselves in this season with uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Cesca Moscow, and Monaco. If you know your stuff, you know that that is a very very difficult group to get out of. doesn't matter who you are, it's mm. a tough old group to get out of. And um, they didn't manage it. And um, when they went on to get eliminated um, in the Europa League by Ghent, again, it was kind of brushed to one side as if, oh, these things can happen. They have, they've got to concentrate on, on the Premier League. That may well be, but um, you have to take all games in, ser- in Europe seriously, uh, regardless of your stature, have to prepare properly. If you look back into recent years, the gap between the smaller teams in Europe and the bigger teams in Europe and the medium-sized teams, those gaps are closing all the time. With the exception of the very, very top level with uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Barcelona, if you go down from there, the gap is getting smaller and smaller and smaller bet- yeah. between a... Um, uh, a Stenis Petersberg and a Monaco or a um, um, to give an example a Dortmund or a Benfica you, in terms of if those teams play one another you can't necessarily um, say who's going to win over two legs No I agree um, I think before we should talk about the the rest of the Odyssey, before we talk about the relegation playoffs um, we had a question from Mark Wright on Twitter he says, who has been the most surprising team or player this season? And he also says he loves the show, by the way, James. <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, hello, Mark. How are you? I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Um, I read your question on Twitter before we started our podcast on air. And um, if I can answer my question as to who's been uh, the, the best player, the most surprising player, my nomination would be uh, Lewis Baker. Because Lewis Baker was the top scorer in uh, the Kaiva Bay uh, Cup. Uh, he also, also has a winner's medal with Vitesse beating Isaac Alakmar. What he's achieved at a very, very young age is a fantastic incentive for many, many British players should they, um, should they wish to play their trade abroad. And uh, I just think he's had a fantastic season. And uh, be interesting to see what, what he can now go on to achieve if he returns to uh, to Chelsea or to the Championship or even going elsewhere. But I think um, also from a British point of view, we, we don't have many British players uh, in the spot in the spotlight playing abroad. And I just think every time I've seen him play for Vitesse, he's always been a threat. He's always a threat to score a goal, always looking to go on the front foot. And I think his season... Uh, with uh, with Vitesse this year will stay long in the memory and also to be so young and to have made almost 70 appearances for an established Eredivisie uh, team is uh, is quite good going I think uh, I think mm. he's had a fantastic season Good question isn't it actually I was trying to think of some players and I think I want to try and look away from the top three because you've got the likes of Dolberg who have come and 
been amazing from from absolutely nothing to lift as well. Um, I'm looking at the test again, and I think Ricky Van Borswinkel. He obviously was a very good player before he left the Eredivisie, but he did. He went on to not do very much, and I think he came back for a lot of pressure and not having played too much, you know, in, in the last few years, and he's gone on to become a good player again. You 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 don't have to think about the quality of the Eredivisie when you think of that. You just think that you know he's. He's come, he's come back to the league and you can see in his play, he's a lot more confident and that's what makes a striker. And his positioning is, is excellent. His finishing is great and he's been a massive leader for the team. Um, another one uh, along the similar sort of lines is Reza, Reza Gajanajad at Head and Vane. Because uh, he came in from Charlton, didn't he, James? And he was in a team that got relegated from the English Championship. And he has to all of a sudden step up and try and fire Head and Vane to at least a top half finish. It was a tricky thing to ask him to do because he hasn't had that much competition as right around him in the squad, so he was going to be relied on. Um, but those are my two picks of players. Would you agree with that, James? Um, yeah, I think um, I think in the case of Ricky Van Vollerswinkel, uh, one uh, stat which I find absolutely amazing as regards to Van Vollerswinkel, I think he was brought to Bidessa for um, six hundred thousand euros, yeah. which is a steal, which is an absolute steal, really. Um, I think his attitude has been exemplary. Um, I remember being in Lisbon many years ago on holiday and he was on so much form for Sporting Lisbon that when you looked at the national papers, it was all, why isn't he being called up for the national team? He's on fire for Sporting Lisbon. And, and then all of a sudden he goes and signs for Norwich. Yeah. And, uh, which was a huge surprise to everybody. It doesn't matter if you, was, um, if you had a specific team. I mean, I remember when that transfer broke. And you would discuss it with friends and colleagues and everybody would come to the conclusion that this is a very, very strange transfer indeed. And now uh, with him being loaned out to uh, Real Betis and um, he's now managed to get good uh, good game time. And um, be interesting to see what he does because he's got a fantastic attitude and um, it was only fitting that he would score the, um, he would score the two goals which made... Um, which made the, a final victory in the Dutch um, kind of the Bay uh, Cup uh, possible for Vitesse. I think it was um, uh, very, very impressive indeed. Mm. And uh, also with your point about uh, Ereza, uh, you quite rightly said about his um, his time at Charlton Athletic. But if you look at his career, he's played for uh, uh, Cambuleraden, Sintrauden, Standard Liège, Charlton. He was also on loan at Kuwait. And now uh, he'd have been. So at the age of 29, he's accumulated a lot of experience. Yeah. And um, I think if he was surrounded, if, if he was surrounded by uh, uh, perhaps a, a little bit better players who would be able to complement his creativity, he may uh, he may be able to improve even further. Yeah, agreed. Uh, as for the team of the season, that's been a surprise. I'd say Twente because they have had to come back from from the blue. Really, they've. They were struggling uh, once they let go of Hakim Ziyech, or they had to let go of Ziyech because of financial concerns and he wants to move. And they were pretty much a one-man team last season because he dug them out of trouble. But they've gone on and secured a few loan deals uh, with the likes of Manchester City and they haven't looked back, have they? They've got, they've got some good youth players as well that have come through. You spoke to one, didn't you, James van der Lely? He's very complimentary about his teammates. I spoke to you know, van der Lely back in March this season. Uh, back in March, 
And uh, he was very complimentary about the team, about the striker, Unal, who's an absolute killer in the penalty box. And it struck me as someone who's extremely content to be where he is. He's not necessarily thinking about moving on. He wants to first um, become established with Vesta Twente and then push on. Um, I would say for team of the year, without uh, the obvious choice uh, being finaled, um, I would go for Vitesse. I think um, I think in Henk Flazer's first season, for them to win their very first piece of silverware in their 125-year history, question marks were raised by uh, by the appointment of Flazer. Not so much him he as a manager, but more the fact that um, why would you leave uh, Arda Den Haag to move to uh, Vitesse? But um, I just think they've had a fantastic season. There's an awful lot of togetherness there, and. Um, I think they'll have a, an interesting Europa League campaign where they're really going to give it their all because um, it wasn't so long ago that Vitesse on the beta bus was uh, eliminated by Southampton in the Europa League qualifiers and they didn't really get to taste the whole experience of Europe and, uh, and next season they're going to have uh, six uh, group games. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They've had a decent season. I think they have, they're about their level in terms of a table but other than that, else, you know, looking at apart from that, the cup win was obviously amazing for the club. Um, let's go back to the playoffs then. And there's a relegation playoffs at the same time as these European playoffs. Uh, yes. And the final day saw Sparta survive. And we've got NEC and Roda Yese to join the relegation playoffs. And James, you've explained how it's worked in the past. But um, there's already been a couple of games, I believe. Absolutely, there has been a couple of games. There's been a couple of shocks as well. Uh, Hellman Sports managed to win both legs against Almeida City, which was very surprising. And uh, Emmen managed to dispatch of Egesé Valbeck, despite Valbeck winning the second leg. So we now move into the uh, the semi-final stages of the um, of the um, promotion playoffs, where we have Hellman Sports playing at ODSA, and then Emperfe uh, Maastricht playing Cambrulevaren, and then the winners of both respective ties will play each other in a two-legged final and the winner of that two-legged uh, home and away tie will either remain in the Eredivisie for next season or get promoted. If you look at the other half of that, there is also Emmen against NSA Nijmegen and uh, Volendam against uh, Nakbreda. So uh, again, with the scenario I just uh, I just gave, the um, the winners of those two ties will face each other in a final, a two-legged tie, home and away, and the winner will either remain in the Eredivisie if they're already in it, um, qualifying again, or it might be someone new. Uh, with Almeida City's unexpected um, elimination, I automatically thought of the chances that uh, Maastricht. Uh, and Cambrulevaren now have. I would be shocked if one of those three are not in Eredivisie next season. I think the door is open um, for those three in particular. I think with Volendam, with their manager leaving and um, and uh, announcing a new manager next season already, I'm not entirely sure that Volendam will make it through. Um, I, I think... Um, I think Nakbleda are coming up on the rails. I think um, I think they'll be in with a tremendous chance. And I think for history and um, in terms of the city, I think if Empathy Maastricht were to be promoted, I think that would be a fantastic profile for Maastricht because it's a, it's a lovely part of the Netherlands. I, I myself have never been there 
in all my years here, but um, it has an absolutely fantastic reputation of all people that go there for city breaks and uh, with the great scenery that it has. So I think uh, to have their football team back in the top tier will be uh, will be uh, will be something good for the city. Yeah, uh, but from the Premier point of view, do you think any Sierra will survive? For myself, I think Red will have to all of a sudden change their tactics. They're looking at all of a sudden going from being a defensive unit that will stifle teams, especially away from home. All of a sudden, they're the bigger team. The onus is on them. They've got to attack. They've got to win. I'm not sure they can handle it. I think Anastasiu will face... Um, well, he obviously he's leaving to go to go to Belgium next season, but he's going to face some some pressure on him there to really pull a result out of the bag because he thought he might have survived after some late wins in the season. But NEC, um, personally, I, I, I don't... Hmm. I, I'm actually more confident they'll survive now that Hibala's left and there's a bit more of an alleviation on the squad and they're playing with a bit more freedom than they used to. And that might suit them just going into those playoffs, that little bit of confidence to, to lift them out of it. What do you think, James? I, I, I think both have a fantastic chance of remaining in the area of Izzy. I think Anastasio is in a bit of a sticky wicket because obviously he's leaving for Cordelag, which was announced uh, quite some time ago. Uh, it be interesting to see who Rodriese would look to get. If they do stay up, I was thinking about it earlier today, if they do manage to stay up, Rodriese, and they really wanted to show ambition, they could go for Onyans. Ron Jans used to play for them in his, uh, during his playing career and he's now not going to become um, teacher of the, uh, the Dutch FA official management course. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they have enough um, enough ambition to try to tempt someone like that. You, you could compare that to when uh, Swallow managed to get uh, Ron Jans, which was a fantastic coup. You know, Again, um, he used to play for Swallow and maybe that was something which pulled him into thinking about becoming the manager there. I think both have a great chance of remaining in in Eredivisie, but um, I think uh, I think there'll be many a twist, many a twist, and many a turn ahead. I think um, uh, what I stated in previous pods about the second leg being at home, well, that is the case for Odoriese and NSA Nijmegen, and for me, that is going to be decisive. I think if the second leg was um, in the case of. Uh, uh, NSA uh, for second leg was in Emmen. That might be slightly different, and mm. um, I just think that home advantage for both in the second leg is going to be decisive. Where, where they will both make for final, but should they come up against uh, Maastricht, Cambuur, or Nakpreda respectively, I think that one of the other three teams that may uh, make up the final round uh, would uh, would go on to. Uh, reached the Eredivisie. So yeah, the, the Eredivisie is, is almost at an end, um, with those playoff matches to go, but we do of course have the treat of a Europa League final, Alex v Manchester United, and just before we started the recording the pod, James and I had differing opinions on the final. Um, what did you think, James? Who do you think is going to win and what's going to happen? I have full confidence that Ajax will win. Whether that will be in 90 minutes or 120 minutes, I'm not sure. But um, I think uh, I think they'll win. I think um, I think uh, Manchester United are already underestimating Ajax. The British press. I'm yet to read a newspaper article. I'm yet to read a um, 
an online article or a uh, or watch a, a video on YouTube or a respective uh, media outlet which states that Manchester United are going to have a tough final ahead of them with the, the supporters uh, of Ajax really, really up for the final, really wanting to, to make the most of the first, of their first final in 21 years. And also the name of Ajax. It's fantastic that the club is coming, uh, is on the tips of people's tongues again. And um, I just think with the journey they've had, I mean, as I, as I stated before, I was at the very first uh, Euro, uh, European home game they played um, this season against uh, Balka Saloniki at home in Amsterdam back in last August. And they were 1-0 down after half an hour. And you really didn't think that this team would eventually go on to, um, to reach the Europa League, uh, Europa League final. I think they all realise that this is going to be a chance for them, a chance to... They're, they're going to look to take and I really wouldn't be surprised if Ajax, um, if Ajax was to be the winner of the Europa League this season. I'm not as confident as James. I do obviously hope Ajax can win. I'm a massive Dutch football fan. But Manchester United, although they may face problems with Ajax's intense and quick style of play, Man United are very solid defensively and they could take that into the final. They, they, they're good at stifling opponents. Can they stifle Ajax? As Mourinho got that little bit of experience to just tactically tweak it so he can, you know, can nullify the likes of Dolberg. Maybe be a bit physical on him. Maybe try and take him out of the game. Make him not feel at home. And there's the wingers as well. I, I think Aaron Yunus, for example, is actually quite easy to defend against. He's one very, very one-footed. He stayed in the past. He wants to work on his weaker foot and such. But... It's these kind of things where you can you can look at these weaknesses and really try and tactically nullify their the way of playing. Bertrand Traore as well is another one. Um, he always likes to cut on his left foot. If you can take him out of the game, if you can annoy him a little bit, I think his attitude will quickly change. Um, I do think, though, that Manchester United will have a tough time dealing with Hakim Ziyech and Lasse Schoener because they are... Oh, well, Azik is more of a 10, but Schoener in the six, he will really try and create something from deep and having just a sheer amount of creativity in midfield will be a lot for Man United to handle. Um, what is One thing that is for sure, though, I'm pretty sure Ajax will create chances. They always do against all their opponents. Man United will just want to limit that. And at the end of the day, um, they're very, they have experience from this season's European campaign, but they are still very young players, very inexperienced against a very experienced bunch of players in Man United. There's a massive difference between the two teams in the way of playing, the ages, the confidence of the, of the teams. Um, and I think one final point before I let you speak, James, is Eric Bailly, the Man United centre-back, is got red carded in the semi-final, so he'll miss the final. That could be massive, especially the amount of injuries they have already in the squad. Could be, I agree. And also know Ibrahimovic from Manchester United as yeah, well. And true. It, it, wasn't so, it wasn't so long ago that um, Ajax played uh, Manchester United in the Europa League and they won at Old Trafford. And it was a result which spurred them on to go on to win Eredivisie again. And it was almost like a shock of Manchester United or, oh, we've been beaten by Ajax. I mean... Um, I think a lot of people are guilty in underestimating Ajax and thinking, oh, it's just the Dutch side that uh, finished second to final and uh, 
know, this, uh, this we should be able to turn them over. But I think I think they Ajax fully understand the occasion that, uh, that they're going to be playing, and I think they'll relish being underdogs. And um, as I say, I've been quite shocked at how uh, how uh, certain pundits and analysts appear to give the impression that Manchester United only have to turn up. Mm. I'd uh, be nice to see Ajax win, regardless whether it's comfortable, whether it's uh, by hook or crook or by luck. But um, uh, what I'm going to say might sound quite strange, but I personally think I could be wrong, but it's just my personal opinion. If Manchester United were playing a more um, seasoned European team that had uh, maybe uh, even more pedigree or had been playing Champions League football regularly for years on end and reaching semi-finals or quarter-finals or finals themselves, I think uh, they might the all media outlets m- may have changed their tune and, and decided that uh, they would be in a game. But uh, I think because it, they think it's plucky little Ajax, they uh, they seem to think that all Manchester United have to do is turn up. Well, in the home matches against Schalke and Leon, they, they showed that it's not going to be easy. They tore them to put to shreds. But on the opposite side of the coin, away in the against Schalke and Leon, they were quite suspect defensively. I saw a rating for the players at Ajax in the away game to Leon. Players such as Fierkeva, he's a get red carded. It was given a 2 out of 10. Sanchez was given a 4 out of 10. And... You know, the, 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 all the players were rated pretty much five and below, but apart from class, it was a six. Eunice was a six. And I actually tended to agree with it. I didn't think they performed that well at all in Lyon. And if, say, it was the first leg of, of, of the tie, you'd be like, oh, Ajax haven't got the quality. You know, this is typical Dutch, Dutch result in Europe. But they had that lead, didn't they, from the first leg. But Lyon put them under yeah. so much pressure. And it told, and they crumbled. But one thing that I will say, though, is Man United will not be doing that sort of pressure. They will not be attacking the way Leon did so ferociously, which would make it a lot more comfortable for the AX players. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a um, a tense game. I wouldn't be surprised if it went to um, extra time or even penalties. I um, my personal prediction is that. The game will last longer than ninety minutes. I think. Um, I think uh, circumstances will dictate that um, that maybe um, maybe one side will want to hold on to their lead or or look ahead towards maybe extra time and penalties. But it should be a good final with two uh, two absolutely yeah. mammoth European teams with fantastic pedigree. And uh, Ajax also have pedigree, don't get me wrong. They absolutely do with uh, winning four European Cups and uh, also winning the um, UEFA Cup in the past as well and uh, winning over uh, 30, 30 titles here in the Netherlands. So uh, but I'm just trying to make the point that if, it, if they were playing, I don't know, maybe a, a Benfica or a, um, a Sevilla, then, then I, don't, I don't think that the British press in particular would be as quick just to hardly mention anything about Ajax and, and mm. just focus on the fact that uh, they insinuate all that all Manchester United have to do is turn up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be releasing a video on the YouTube channel in the coming days about the Ajax team just to inform a few United fans because this team has come a long way since the beginning of the season. This is not a team that was, you know, that 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 came so close last season, second in the Eredivisie. They started off the season poorly. They had to face change. 
they lost Frank de Boer's manager. Good, because he was he 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 dragged the team's tactics down, especially in Europe. Um, he got the title wins, of course, but let's see what happens now. Pedro just got more time to really make the team his own. He it's only his first season as manager, yeah. and he's taken you know you know within two points of the title, and I do think that already I can say now in May I make a bold prediction. I think they'll win the Odovisi next season. They're starting to lose a few players. But they will replace them. They've got talent everywhere. And it's it's come along so rapidly. If you look at the start of the season, they dropped points at home to Rodi Villain Tway, teams that struggled throughout the season. They were a different team then. Since then they've progressed and come together as a team. Hakim Ziek has become a, a, a player that's on fire all the time, matches. He's always contributing goals, assists. Lasse Schoen has developed well as a defensive midfielder. He wasn't quite that kind of player before. And um they just have got so many options and things have just come along so quickly for them. They can't be considered the same team that they were in the past. No, no, the approach, the approach is completely different. And I, uh, I completely agree with your, uh, with your assessment with Frank de Boer in Europe. I was at many a European game under his tutelage when they, um, when they uh, had a Champions League group with uh, Apoel, Nicosia, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, in the past, also with Lyon, Dynamo Zagreb, Real Madrid, uh, being eliminated by Stoy Bucharest, having won the first leg through New and Amsterdam, um, and so on and so on. I think uh, Boss's tactics in uh, Europe have been extremely refreshing. I do agree that it was a different team at the start of the season, and it was, you've got to remember as well that the, the appointment of Peter Boss was heavily criticised because of his final, uh, with his final links having played. For, over 150 games for finals, and um, but uh, you, I would say you also have to give credit to Edwin Van der Sar and Mark Overmars for the um, for the full confidence they had in Peter Boss because they were adamant even before the season started. We have got the right man we want. We have full confidence in him and what he will do, and he's led them to within one point of an Eredivisie title with 81 points in the European the Europa League final. So uh, he's had an absolutely fantastic season and he's done his career a world of good. Be interesting to see how he pushes on as a manager next season. I stated in the past it wasn't so long; it was maybe just over a decade ago that he led Hidekles Almelo to the Eredivisie from the Europa League. Uh, also, having um, managed the Klaus Cup in the past and uh, Tel Aviv and Vitesse as well. So, uh, I don't think he's done his career any harm whatsoever with the season he's had at Ajax. Yeah, I used to think Bosch was a bit of a, a nutter when he played near the Vizier with Harapas. He he just invented this um, this three, well, I didn't invent the 3 4 3, but the way that they played was ex- it was extraordinary. A mid table team that would just lavish attacks, attacks, attacks. The three defenders at the back, there would be usually two fullbacks as well. And um, they would push on and be overlapping fullbacks in a back three. It was extraordinary. Um, and it would leave gaps open at the back. But they scored um, one of the most, you know, in the but also conceded one of the most. And it was it was ex- extraordinary, yeah. And he brought it to the test because when he started at the test, he did a similar sort of thing. Um huh. The likes of Van Arnholt, for example, the left back, uh, when he was there, he would be playing left centre back, but would still be bombing forward. And he's only gone on to to improve that and show it at a bigger stage at Ajax. Not the three four three, but the likes of Daily Sinclair and playing a midfielder at fullback, and knowing that his attacking capabilities would be more than useful. 
I, uh, I completely agree. I remember, I remember when Heracles uh, got promoted. It was my first, uh, I think it was my first year here in the Netherlands, and I went to watch them in Amsterdam against Ajax, and they drew 0-0. Yeah. And it was looked upon as a complete uh, embarrassment of a result. But uh, Heracles went to uh, the Amsterdam Arena and managed to uh, to get a nil-nil draw. I mean, that, that also said that how that also states how difficult things were for Ajax at that time. But also how much uh, how much courage they had and how much conviction they had to think that we will go all the way from Almelo to Amsterdam and uh, and manage to eke out a nil-nil draw, which was quite impressive at the time. Mm. On the topic of Ajax, we must answer another question from our Twitter. Um, of course, if you're listening as well and you want to and ask us a question, just send us a tweet on Twitter. We'll pick it up and we'll answer it. Um, and it's from Sandakan who asks, what's your take on Dolberg's future? I'll let you go first, James. Uh, my take on his future is that he will leave in the short to mid-term, but one thing I wouldn't rule out with the... Uh, with the um, powers that be and, uh, and and different clubs, I would be shocked if the club that managed to, to that manages to obtain his services doesn't loan him back to Ajax. I think Ajax would near enough um, near enough demand that in the negotiations. To, just to give an example, I've heard no um, I've heard no rumours as regards to the clubs being linked, but I'm just going to use Real Madrid as an example, just as a, a general example. If it was Real Madrid that managed managed to um, obtain his services, I would be surprised if they didn't loan him back to Ajax for maybe one season or maybe even two seasons before uh, before thinking about what to do. I think uh, Ajax are quite shrewd in the uh, in the transfer market, especially with negotiations with uh, Marco Vermaas. And uh, I would be highly surprised at whichever club it is that they don't, the Ajax don't put in a stipulation where um, where um, he has to come back to Ajax on loan before before going on to his new parent club. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I was going to say something very similar to that. I, I think a team such as Manchester United would go and try and sign him, but Ajax would want him back on loan. I don't think he's going to be playing at a different team next season. I think no. he'll definitely have another season at Ajax. If not, arguably more. It's just another hype. There's lots of hype players in the Odomizzi and once the names we mentioned, rumours go wild and with this Europa League final as well, it's only going to get worse for a player like Dolberg. Um, yeah. But it's it's strange, isn't it, how he said that he wants to stay in for Ajax another season, um, but then he said, oh no, my words were twisted. I said, um, I don't. He basically didn't. Know, I don't know what's going to happen, and I would move club, but I, I hope to stay at Ajax for another season. He's just stating the fact that he doesn't know what will happen in football, like no other footballer does. But at the end of the no. day, he's planning to stay at the Ajax. He wants to develop himself there. Um, he's, he's come an awful lot wet, a long way in such a short time. I mean, it wasn't so long ago he was playing for Silkeborg in mm. Denmark, and then all of a sudden you're one of the most. Um, wanted young strikers in the whole of Europe and um, yeah, I can see him remaining at, uh, at Ajax this, this coming season but uh, you never know one or two goals in the Europa League final could change all that and uh, could bring an eventual bid from a European powerhouse and things could change very quickly No that's right a final as well of all places is a perfect place to advertise yourself and um, he's also got Potentially some games in Denmark coming up over the end of May, June. 
and that's a further showcase for him. He's definitely a, an excellent player, and um, I, I think he reminds me of Dimitar Berbatov. Would you agree with that? Um, I think it's a very good uh, comparison. I think, uh, in my personal opinion, I think Dimitar Berbatov is still underrated. Mm. I saw I saw Dimitar Berbatov play for Monaco against Arsenal live back in February 2015, and it, he absolutely ripped apart an extremely experienced um, Arsenal defence with his movement off the ball, with his movement on the ball, with his awareness of space, which I think was the most impressive thing. And uh, I think it's a very good comparison, to be honest. Yes, yeah, so he's a cool sort of character, and um, he he has that touch on the ball, good finisher. Um, and I think if he went to the Premier League, um, I I would think that he would struggle with the physicality because he's a very slight figure, and you can see that he tries to hold the ball up in games, but can be mussed up the ball because um, he he's a target man kind of striker. But similar to Berbatov, he didn't really have that ounce of strength to, to really hold the ball on. But like, yeah, he's got that movement to make up for it. Uh, I just hope he doesn't change the player, for example, becomes that, that target man kind of striker. Now, what was it you wanted to talk about, James? Um, I have a quick mention about Sparta Rotterdam. Um, I uh, stated on the pod that I see them playing relegation playoffs. And on the very last day of the season, away to go ahead Eagles, they managed to win and escape completely. Um, it did um, it did dawn on me they've lost 18 games this season, and although they've managed to escape, which is uh, you could say it's deserved, the one thing which is fantastic about Sparta Rotterdam's survival, this is the oldest football club in the Netherlands, and when this club plays at the highest level. It feels at home. It's respected. It's um, uh, also by uh, by neutrals. They're happy to see them back. Similar to Go Ahead Eagles, when Go Ahead Eagles are playing in Eredivisie, it's always um, it's always it's always welcomed. But obviously, at the moment, Go Ahead Eagles don't have the uh, don't have the quality. I hope that uh, Sparta Rotterdam now manage to uh, establish themselves and push on. But one thing I have found strange this season has been um, Alex Pastor's um, team selections. I, I remember going to the home match in Amsterdam where he seemed to leave all his best players on the bench. And I, I expected uh, Sparta Rotterdam to have a right go. Maybe they didn't think they were going to uh, achieve anything winning in Amsterdam. But um, for, for they could have very well got a point if, uh, if they'd have maybe played their best team and played to their capabilities. But... Um, They've, uh, they've just managed to survive by the skin of their teeth and, uh, and one would hope that the oldest club in the Netherlands manages to push on and establish themselves at the top level. Yeah, I agree. I, I really hope they push on and they can sign a few quality players to go with what they've already got. They've got some young talents, they've got a couple of their more established players that helped them get up from the second tier. They just need um, another attacking midfielder potentially to add a few more goals because I think sometimes it's very laboured their style of play, like when they just rely on Matthias Pogba to come off the bench, they can throw a few balls into the box, um, and that seems to be all they had at some times. Um, but Pusic, the striker, came in January, he scored those two vital goals that got him the win uh, last weekend at go-ahead, so he could be an answer. Um, yeah, I think just a couple more players will be needed there, and they can really push on. 
Yeah, I hope that they show more attacking intent next season. I mean, they've they've drawn seven games out of thirty-four, having lost eighteen and um, and won nine. And you would hope that next season they show just a little bit more um, adventure in going forward. And if they do lose a game uh, in um, whilst going to win it uh, by law of averages over the course of the season. Instead of those, um, instead of those uh, draws being losses or um, or um, or a current nil-nil draw going on to be a loss for them, if they show a little bit more adventure, they could very well get a few more victories, which may well lead to having a, an easier season next season. I totally agree again. I think the start of the season, they did have that freedom. They did show that second intent, and they actually won a few games. But tie starts to turn and. They went quite reserved all of a sudden. I, I, I need to try and pinpoint a match or two where that happened because, for example, they went away and got a good point against Cloningen, but they didn't push on and they sort of changed their style. It wasn't as free-flowing as before. Um, who was the name of their striker they had on loan from Ajax? Um, um, oh, that's escaped my mind. Sorry? That's escaped my mind. Yeah, I'll have, to, um, I'll have to look it up. Um, I know that Thomas Fahar, who managed to uh, score so many goals to get them into the Eredivisie um, in the pl- first place, hasn't played much this season. I know he's, I know he was injured at some point, but he's someone that um, that could have made a bit more of a difference for them. Yeah. And I just think, I just think that Alex Pastor, uh, he's got a good nucleus of a good uh, of a good squad to push on uh, to push on next season. Okay. Uh, the name of the player was Elizuzi, by the way, because he had a good start to the season uh, okay. and then ended up getting sent back to the club. Um, because I, I, don't, I don't quite know the reason, but he, he just sort of stopped. Um, he stopped scoring goals and got sent back, I believe. But yeah. But they're, they're the kind of players that need some more ammunition from, uh, such as Craig Goodwin as well. But we'll, we'll see what yeah. happens for the next season. Yeah, being tra- be a bit on the transfer market, especially in the Netherlands, it's going to be extremely uh, interesting. I think also that um, Thomas uh, Blaus has already signed for Vitesse instead of Utrecht when everybody thought he would go to Utrecht. So um, I think um, I think there'll be a lot, lots of changes and uh, be interesting to keep an eye on things. And uh, yeah, I think um, I think on the transfer front, it will be uh, a very interesting summer. It's going to be exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I expect a lot of uh, PSV. I think um, I think that the pressure on them to uh, to buy well and to uh, recruit well, not just experienced players but also younger players, the pressure is on PSV the most because they need to react um, well to what's happened at Feyenoord and at uh, Ajax. And I-, I know it's still premature and lots will happen, but um, I stated a couple of pods ago that. I think that uh, this coming season will be Philip Cuckoo's last uh, PSV I know. Okay, James, thanks for talking to me this week. You're more than welcome. I've enjoyed a nice uh, a nice short pod. Yeah. and uh, It's been good fun and uh, I look forward to speaking to you next uh, we're doing, back to you next Tuesday because the final is on the Wednesday. We'll see what happens.